Happy Mother's Day. If you're new around here, people are laughing because they know this is the worst sermon you'll get out of the whole year. As our nation turns their hearts to honoring mothers, I just want to say, my mother is awesome. She not only carried me for nine months, she not only labored to bring me into this world, she not only cared and raised for me, but my mom will always be in my corner. If you get crossways with me, and I tell my mom about it, and if I give her the go-ahead, she will make your life a living... Well, let's just say she'll put you on an aggravation installment program (laughs) that you would wish she would just take you out of this world. And if I asked her to take you out, she would. Or she'd put a hit out on you. And she'd sell a kidney to fund it. I'm saying that's mom. There's a reason for the term mama bear. Mother can be the sweetest thing till you mess with her children. Amen. I've said this before. I think I've seen my mother make an ex-Marine drill instructor cry. I was falsely accused of something in school, and he was a counselor, and she gave him what for till he came to the classroom, pulled me out in tears, apologizing. That's mom. Some moms are scared to kill a spider, but they take on the mafia if it meant saving their child. Mamas get grossed out by some things, but then they'll sit there and wipe a runny nose, change a stinky diaper, clean up puke, without flinching. All in a day's work, amen. And I mean to tell you, mamas are tough. Good night, man. If you've never been in a birthing room, you don't know how tough mamas are. (laughs) Glad I'm a guy. When God describes the pain of His wrath, He doesn't use the imagery of a strong man on a rampage. God's Word says things like anguish, sorrow, and pain as of a woman in travail. That's why Mother's Day sermons are intimidating to me. If I get this wrong, they'll haul me out back and just beat the tar out of me. And that's why two out of the last three Mother's Days, I've been able to pawn this off to other preachers. But have you noticed they ain't been back yet? Some of y'all need to loosen up and tell your heart it's okay to smile in church. I have no outs this year. You're stuck with me. But thankfully, moms are some of the most merciful people on earth. And y'all have always been encouraging to me in my weakness. And, but then again, my mom did say last year she was glad I didn't give the message. So... Now, the reason that Mother's Day messages are difficult for me is because I know I can't fully relate to being a mother. I don't want to come across like I think I know and have all the answers. I'm an expert in motherhood when I've never spent one day in my life as a mom. I don't plan to. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, despite what is being said today by so-called medical experts, moms and dads are wired differently, both physically and emotionally. Because of these differences, it's impossible for a biological male to be a mother in every sense. 
Our culture would have you to believe that the role of a mother has little to do with gender. We've seen it on the movie screens and television shows over the last 40 years. But the Bible speaks to these differences. This isn't our text, but the Bible says in Proverbs 4.3, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Jeremiah 36 asks, says, Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. And God has that question asked because it's rhetorical. It's so outlandish to think that a man could give birth to a child that God says that in a way of, of describing what's about to come to pass and how, uh, and, and how serious all of that was back there in Jeremiah. But mothers have a tenderness and they have a bond with their child that a man can never experience. She carried that child for nine months before birth and she cared for that child in ways after birth that men can't. Unfortunately, we live in a day when it's no longer the culture saying that gender doesn't matter, but now even so-called science is being rejected and we're now being told that men can give birth and can be mothers. But even then, they have to admit on their websites it only applies to transgendered men. Because a male can't give birth, they don't have a uterus. Newsflash. It's almost scary what they are attempting today in modern science. They're working at finding a way to get biological males a uterus and get them pregnant. But should that day arrive, without a birth canal, any of those births would have to be by cesarean deliveries. And all of this is God's design for moms and dads. Moms are created different. Now, it's truly amazing how God has created mothers, the female body. Women have wider hips, a wider pubic bone, and a more circular pelvic bone. And it's also thinner and lighter than males. And, and you can tell the sex of a skeletal remains by the pelvis. That's a fact. And all of this is to accommodate giving birth through a birth canal. Interestingly enough, a woman's hips will expand by, on average, one and a half inches through a pregnancy. Some four inches or more. Ow. And it helps babies when they're being born. It happens as a result of a protein-based hormone called relaxin, which is secreted by the ovaries and the placenta, and it loosens joints and ligaments around the pelvis and the birth canal to make the passage larger and more flexible to facilitate a baby during natural birth. Now, I'd like to see a biological male pull that off. <laughs> Nor would I want to. Well, I know you didn't come here to hear a medical dissertation. I do these things from time to time because, listen, it's not being taught anymore. In fact, earlier this year, an anthropologist professor at the University of Pittsburgh named Gabby Yearwood. He said, you could not tell the difference between males and females based upon skeletal remains. Well, that's news to me because it's a fact that you can. The question was asked by Riley Gaines. She's a college swimmer. 
She's been brave enough to speak out against biological males competing with women in sports. When the professor said no to her question, the room rightly burst out in laughter at the professor. That caused the professor to say, I'm just curious as to why I'm being laughed at. And then he added that he was the expert in the room. And eventually he exclaimed, I have a PhD. A lot of good it's doing you. And somebody's going to pay $200,000 to send their, send their kid there? All right. You're better off to pay the 160 to go to Silver State. Somebody say amen. Anyway, <laughs> thank God we have the Bible. I'm well aware I've never walked a mile in a mom's shoes. I can give you principles about motherhood because we have a Bible. I can give you doctrine. And I ask you to bear with me as I try to give you some thoughts today on motherhood. Take your Bibles with me, please, and let's go to the book of Titus, chapter 2. This is a very popular passage used for Mother's Day sermons. And for the record, I had no idea that my wife was using this text yesterday at the Moms with a Missions class. And when I found that out, I told her, I don't want to hear anything you're talking about because I don't want people to think we conspired together. <laughs> Plus, I really just don't want to hear it running on and on and on and on. Amen? <laughs> so it was a good out. It was a good out. I don't know what she talked about, but you may hear some of the same things. And if you hear anything different, then I'm right. <laughs> Titus chapter 2. That contradicted everything I just said about never being a mom. <laughs> Titus chapter 2, let's read verses 1 through 5. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. This is, this is an amazing passage in our culture today. Times have changed. Before I get ahead of myself, this chapter begins with a conjunction. It would be beneficial to just take a moment to give you the context that has led up to why Paul has written what he has here in the first five verses. In Paul's opening remarks in chapter 1, he says in verse 5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. There were some things lacking in the churches throughout the island of Crete. And the Apostle Paul wants Titus to set those things in order. And a major problem there was a lack of pastoral leadership. And so he tells him he needs to ordain elders or pastors in every church. And then he gives Titus the qualifications of a pastor. And then we learn the reason why they needed pastors in place. Paul said in chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, 
especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. And so Paul tells Titus, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. See, there is a lot of false doctrine floating around being taught by Judaizers who are turning people away from the simplicity of the gospel by trying to say, if you want to be saved, you not only need grace, you need works. And Paul says, you need to rebuke them. Chapter 1 ends with Paul saying of those people, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. So as we come to chapter 2, in verse 1, Paul tells Titus, But you, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. You combat false doctrine, obviously, by giving right doctrine. And if you want to combat, as you'll read it there in chapter 1, if you want to combat the Jewish fables, the commandments of men, you do so with sound doctrine. And then in our text today, Titus is told to instruct the aged men and women. And then the aged men are to teach the young men, and the aged women are to teach the young women. Because this is Mother's Day, I'm going to focus on the woman's role in this text. We see in verse 3 that the aged women are to be in behavior as becometh holiness. And we get some of what that looks like when it says, Don't be a false accuser, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And in verses 4 and 5, the aged women are to teach the young women. What are they to teach? That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, an aged woman means exactly what it sounds like. It literally means an old woman. Now, I've been around long enough to know not to try to define that by age. No matter how cool you may think you are, lady, you're only fooling yourself. You're old. Just come to terms with it, amen? Embrace it. You see, I've already said too much. I'm just not cut out for Mother's Day. A young woman is defined as youthful. Obviously, then, a young woman would be one who is new to taking on adult responsibilities, newly married, a new mother, and they're not fooling anybody either. You don't have the same wisdom as an aged mom. So you don't have to act like you have it all figured out. And you'll see you don't as you progress. I'm still figuring it out, amen? On this Mother's Day, we see that the aged women need to teach the young women. Or let me say it this way because of our topic, the aged moms need to teach the young moms. And because it is the aged who are supposed to be teaching the youthful, there is understandably going to be a gap. There's going to be an age gap, a generational gap, and a maturity gap. Is everybody with me? Because some aged moms try to use that as their excuse on why they don't have to obey the Bible's command. Well, I just can't connect with them. And somehow this gets you off the hook. But our new mothers do not need modern philosophies. They do not need the teachings of the world. They don't need all the blogs that could just be a dude on the other end. 
what they really need are some aged mothers to teach them how to be biblical moms. Now, listen to me, aged moms. If you're going to fulfill this biblical role, then despite the age gap and the maturity gap, you have to be connected to our younger women. You need to befriend them. You need to get to know them. You need to be invested in their life. Fortunately, one of the problems I've observed as women age, they get to a place where they feel like I've outgrown ladies' retreats and ladies' meetings and bridal showers and, and marriage, whatever women do, amen? They do all kind of stuff. Unfortunately, if that's you, you're robbing yourself of your biblical responsibility Amen. to be an aged woman who can teach younger women Amen. in our church. Amen. When you don't show up for these events that are too immature for you, because you're above all that, you send a message to that young lady, you're not interested in her life. And as they progress, they're not going to look to you like they should. That's what the Bible's teaching. You see, ministering to others is not about you. I'm not up here for me. Ministering to others, you have to learn to die to yourself in order that you might be a blessing to somebody else and be a help to others. And sometimes you have to deal with things that don't really interest you. For the greater good of the flock. Is everybody with me? Because if we're not careful, we make it all about us and what we want. I don't like that. It's not about you. How can you expect to fulfill this biblical command to teach younger women if you won't even be invested in their life? So I'm challenging our older moms this morning. Reach out to our younger moms. Show your support for them. Attend these milestone events. Open up a line of communication. Let them know you are here for them. Because it's almost, it's like you'll hear aged men and women say, I can't do what I used to do. That may be true. But you can do this. Amen. And we need some godly seniors Amen. who can go to our younger saints say, this is how you do it. In the right spirit, of course. Somebody says, well, they're just so childish. Of course they are. They're youthful. And I bet you are no different. But I bet you are also glad when some senior saints were invested in you. It could just be that the younger women are still enjoying life while you've just become a crabby old lady. Well, that's going over as well as I thought it would. I Listen, I love being around my mom. She is a nut. Last time I was in Athens, I got a picture of her crawling through the doggy door of the house, and of course she got stuck. She eventually made her way out. What is she, 60-something? I don't know, 68? 68, she's crawling through the doggy doors. If you know my mom, she is, she's literally crazy. Never get too old that, that you just stop laughing. Amen. And if it's literally a maturity gap, that's your issue, then guess what? The Bible says that the aged women are to teach the young women to be sober. Amen. 
And simply put, that means you need to teach them how to grow up. I'll say more about that later on. And so a church needs some mothers and grandmothers who are able to reach new mothers, teaching them how to fulfill their biblical role of motherhood by teaching them to be in submission to the Word of God. Who better to teach them than those who have lived through it? We need those who have lived longer, who have gained wisdom through experience, who are more mature, who possess understanding, that can show sympathy and compassion from lessons learned through your challenges and disappointments and failures. And you see, it's it's purposeful instruction, but understand that it's instruction that takes place more in the home than it does from the pulpit. In other words, it takes some aged women walking beside our young mothers, guiding them along. To our aged moms, I would ask you this morning, are you fulfilling God's call upon your life? Are you fulfilling this role? Well, I don't mean it to be an admonishment, but if it is, so be it. Your qualifications are found in verse 3. Certainly not exhaustive. You need to be holy. Don't be a slanderer. Don't be a drunkard. And be able to teach good things. Those are things that are proper, valuable, and virtuous. You teach those things that are found in verses 4 and 5. And there's a ton to unpack in those verses. I don't have time to give them attention, the attention they deserve, and I won't even get to most of them. We see in verse 4 that the aged women are to teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Well, this comes up fairly frequently in my preaching. I'm very passionate about the family. I, I love preaching about the family, and because it comes up a lot, I'm not going to spend time on this except to say I understand this need because I know myself and I'm not always lovable. Teach my wife how to love her husband. (laughs) But notice that the end of verse 4 is saying that the older moms are to teach the younger moms how to love their children. This almost puzzles me. I, I mean, listen, I can understand having to be taught how to love your husband. I get that. But it's almost strange at first read that a young mom would need to be taught to love her children. As a man, I find it interesting. I've already hinted at how, uh, talked a little bit about how a woman's body can change. a, A mom goes through so much during her pregnancy. I, I had to take stuff out, but I went out there to see how does a woman's body change. And there's like, many websites of things that can change permanently as a result of pregnancy. She sacrifices her body. She changes her diet. She goes through sleepless nights, increased pain throughout the pregnancy, and great pain in giving birth. And after going through all that she does, why wouldn't a mother love her child? And yet we've all seen the horrific scenes of moms putting babies in dumpsters. Why does this happen? It's because sin removes natural affection. But it is the design of God through Christ to recover what has been lost through our sin nature and restore us back to a natural affection. 
And so what we learn from this, listen to me now, because love has to be taught, love is not merely an emotion. And this is important in both areas of loving your husband and your child. Biblical love is fundamentally different from the world's superficial love. Love in the world, or love in the Bible, is not what the world romanticizes in their novels. It is not the kind of love that you see on the tabloids. When the world's so-called love is your standard, then just as soon as you deem someone unlovable, you're going to have a separation. It can even happen with a parent toward their children. How many parents have given up on a child because their child isn't always lovable? You're allowing love to become an emotion that you're only going to show and give when things are going your way. Well, try raising kids. It's not always going to go your way. Don't be the mother who ends up saying things like, I can't wait till school starts again because I'm tired of being around my kid. I can remember mothers in the military. They couldn't wait until maternity leave was over so they could leave their kid. These things ought not to be. I can understand if a mother has to work in order to put food on the table. I would even say that's noble. But her heart should be to be at home with her children. You're not getting those first five years back. They're gone. You'll never recover those years. And if you're working simply to have an extra bedroom or bathroom or a larger closet or a fancier car, as a mother, your priorities are not in line with the Word of God. This is why verse 4 says a mother needs to be taught to be sober, which is to be of a sound mind, to be disciplined, to be self-controlled, temperate, moderate in their behavior. The beginning of verse 5 says to be discreet, which is another way of saying be self-controlled, with prudence and wisdom. Be cautious and, and don't be rash. In other words, a mother doesn't need to go on a shopping spree and run up the credit cards. Not at the expense of her home and children. Please listen to the heart of God when I say, do not sacrifice your children on the altar of materialism. This is why the Bible says in verse 5 that a mother needs to be taught to be a keeper at home. And that means exactly what you think it means, and I don't need to try to sugarcoat it. I know what our culture says, but just let the Word of God say what it says. And so the Bible says a mother has to be taught to love her children. A.T. Robertson, he died in 1934. Listen to what he said on this. This exhortation is still needed where some married women prefer poodle dogs to children. That was in 1930, or he died in 1934. I think it's still needed today. Some moms prefer their social media, their careers, their gym memberships, their stuff. And they end up spending more time pursuing that stuff than they do in spending time with their children and trying to capture their heart. Just as you die to yourself, 
during pregnancy, you need to die to yourself in raising your child. Hey, listen, secular work is still going to be there after the kids are raised. You're better off buying secondhand clothes and being with your children than pursuing the riches of this world at the expense of missing their childhood. There's a lot I want to say, I guess, and, and this will probably end disjointed, and I apologize for that. I guess I'm supposed to be sweeter. I don't know, but... <laughs> your child won't remember you for your achievements secularly. I'm sure my dad had a stellar career. I don't know what all he did and what all he won. And, but I can remember my parents being there. My mom, there was times she had to work just to provide. I don't know what all she did, and I don't know what all awards she won. But I know she's there for me. Mom was there when she had to hold my hand. And though I'm taller now, I can still walk beside my mother arm in arm because she was with me then and she's still with me now. And should the day come, she knows that I'll be there for her. I don't care what the world says. The Bible teaches that it is a great privilege to be a wife, a mother, and a keeper at home. There's no greater task, no greater responsibility, no greater privilege they're being called to establish a home. Amen. And if that is ever doubted, then we are abandoning the Word of God. Amen. And moms, you need to learn to love your child because after birth pangs come life pangs. But I want to encourage you this morning to stay with it. Amen. When the going gets tough, you keep going. I'm just so tired. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. This is going to be the next 18 years. But you keep trying to impart to them wisdom. Keep trying to counsel them along. Keep trying to build their character. Keep instilling virtues. Keep correcting their faults. Keep pointing them to God. Listen to me, moms. God knew what He was doing when He gave you those children. You are uniquely qualified and set apart by God to give that child something no one else can give them. And that is a mother's love. Before you know it, they're moving out. And they're establishing their own family. Show them how to love their children to come one day by demonstrating it yourself. Time goes by so fast. You cannot get it back. Please take advantage of the time you have. Love your children by dying to yourself. This is how Jesus taught us to love by His example. This is how God loved by sending Christ to die for us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And I believe a godly mother is a great example of this. God loved and God gave. Mothers love and mothers give. 
In a manner of speaking, a mother gave her body to bear you. She gave her body to nurse you. She continues to give herself like no other for the life of her children. A mother's love will sacrifice everything for her child. And that's the heart of a mother. She'll give till she has nothing left to give. And aren't you glad that God did the same for us? He gave all to give us life. And even if you can't say that you had a wonderful mother-child relationship, can I just encourage you, if your mother is still alive, that you would take the time to reach out to her and just say, thank you for giving me life. Thank you for bearing me. You never know, it might open up a line of communication. So in closing, and maybe you're wondering why I didn't actually get into teaching about how to love your children more. Well, it's because we need the aged moms to do that. That's what's happening in our text. Paul tells Titus, teach the aged women how to be holy so that the aged women will teach the young women. And to our young women and moms, you need to be teachable. Even if something that is offered isn't applicable to you, if somebody is taking the time to try to invest in your life, then you smile and you take it. And you can take what applies and what doesn't. But you can be sweet about it. You'll always be a mother no matter how old your children get. But your children won't always be young. They won't always be malleable. They won't always be teachable. Say no to the world's philosophies and say yes to God's way. You will not ever regret investing in your family more than yourself. Love your children with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's pray. Almighty God, I pray this morning that if there's any homes that need to get some things in order with your word, they would do so today. So many times we chase the dollar. Lord, I pray if any are doing that at the expense of their home, it would cease. Help our mothers. Lord, you have blessed us with so many young moms. Help them as they seek to raise their children for you. And I pray that when the going gets tough, they'll go back to your word. And they'll draw from it and they'll realize that they are gifted by you to raise that child. Lord, maybe there's some aged moms here today that need to stop finding excuses and stop being too mature and too grown to be able to condescend themselves as Christ did to their level to be able to teach and to help. And so help our church to mirror your word. In Jesus' name, amen.